For so many modern driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies and then a successful coaching and online course business. But for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. We're here to share an insider's peek into the strategies and mental resilience it takes to create and run six and seven figure online businesses. As women entrepreneurs, only 2% of us will ever earn a million dollars. We've done it ourselves and we're on a mission to help you reach financial independence by chronicling our journey and sharing our proven playbook. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow a business and build a life that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the new podcasts that drop every single Tuesday. Welcome to the And She Spoke podcast. In today's episode, we are discussing the concept of building runway into your business. Hello, Sandy, fellow co-host extraordinaire. <laughs> I always like watching you do the intros. I have no idea what you're going to say. <laughs> Fantastic that you don't know what you're going to do. Usually I do nothing. Usually I'm really boring about it. All right. Runway. Let's talk about runway. Okay. Well, so as we were debating the title of this, you pointed out that those outside of the startup world don't really know what runway means. And so let's enlighten them, Sandy. What does runway mean? Runway is the amount of money, cash in hand, in the bank that you have that you can survive on. Like it's usually spoken about in months. Like how many months of runway do you have? So if you can last, if your expenses are 1000 a month and you have $5,000, you have five months of runway. So it's cash in the bank that are going to pay your expenses out into the future. Okay. Yes. But I actually think like this whole idea is sort of absurd to me in the startup world because it assumes that you're not going to be making money in your business to cover your costs, right? So it's like this idea that you need to have this money banked so that you're going to slowly run through it or burn through it. That's the other word we love to use, burn rate. You're going to have five months and then you're going to run out of money. So you better figure something out in those five months. Run to the investors and ask for more. I know as you were talking about that when you were doing the intro, I was thinking about how many times we had conversations with investors and they would say, what's your runway? And you would be like, it's infinite because we bring in money every single month. You know, we keep our expenses below that. And they are like, what? Like, it's like every single business in the world runs like that except for tech startups. And they'd be like, we don't understand. We're going to pass. Thanks. Yeah. There was a lot of that. I was like, are you kidding me? And I think that there was like this genuine, like, well, why are you here? And fair enough. Like, why are you coming to us if you have money coming in to pay your bills? And the answer is because it's always good. Well, not always. We thought it was good to have more money so that we could grow faster. And that is the myth of 
the internet-based business. We're not going to talk about tech startups today. We are going to talk about regular businesses, online businesses. The beauty of online businesses is that you have really, really low overhead theoretically. So you don't need to have these same kind of concerns about like building up a ton of resources and burning through it really fast. But you still want as an online business and as a new business in particular to position yourself to have a little bit of more like buffer so that you have some time and freedom to experiment and not have all this pressure on you to make a living from day one in your business. I think that people go a little bananas when they start online businesses and they just think that it's just, you build it, they come, you make so much money, it's passive revenue and so on. And it's equal work to having a brick and mortar. The expenses, as you said, are way lower, but you still have to put some effort in there. And I think it's just, it's odd to me that people create businesses without any backing of money. Like they just like, here it is day one, I'm going to put myself out there, try to sell this thing, bring in some money and hopefully I'll make all my expenses this month. And then they do it again the next month, like lost money that month. Hopefully this month I'll make, and it's like no business runs like that. If you When I started my brick and mortar business, I would not be here today if I opened the doors and had, you know, $10,000 in rent and half a million dollars inventory and the staff to pay as well as myself and like, just pray to God that I'm going to make the money to pay my expenses. Like that is a horrible way to run a business. And so what you do is you go get a line of credit or you we all put cash in too. So we had some cash, we had some line of credit so that we could go negative for the first couple of months until we built up and went positive and then away we go. But to have that money in the bank, wherever it comes from, the runway, gives you the peace of mind that you can pay your expenses. There's nothing worse, nothing worse as an entrepreneur about every single month, like needing money right now. So Sandy, I think that the problem is that when you go into business and you don't have kind of any buffer around your need to earn money to pay your bills, you make decisions that are not in the long-term interest or even the medium-term interest of your business and therefore yourself. And I really want to make the distinction here. I see a clear distinction between like a service-based business and like the kind of online business that we're talking about, the scalable online business where you're selling something like a group program or a membership or a course or something. Because service-based, I think you don't need this kind of buffer or runway to the same extent because you're just going to go out and hustle and you're just trying to like kind of pay your bills every month. And that's one business model. But what we really teach in our coaching program in the luminaries is how to build a, a scalable business where you kind of don't have an income ceiling. Your revenue is not tied to your hourly rate. And in this case, you need to have some room to experiment, to test, to play around with like different marketing and launch tactics. You need to have time to build an audience so that you have people to sell to. And all of that requires runway slash buffer. And I think that a huge mistake that happened immediately post-COVID, and it's still kind of residually there in the industry, is that people like panicked and had to or chose to jump into online business without kind of having a plan. And so there was just this immediate need for money now. And that's just such a disservice truly to your business and your long-term interests to need money now because you're just going to be making decisions to get money in the door at the expense of investing in your business and 
yourself and your systems and all the things that like will actually give you the kind of business that you really want in the long run. Right. In COVID, people slapped up something because the whole world went online and a lot of people made a lot of money in those. Like memberships were flying and and then as the world opened up, things started to decline and people were left with these businesses that aren't making money. You got a taste of what it's like to have that that revenue come in on a scalable product. But now you're like, oh my God, I don't know how to market it. I don't know what to do with this thing. I don't know how to get new. I don't know how to grow it. Right. And so that's why I think we're seeing so much panic around like, I need to make money right now. It is. It just feels like COVID leftovers. We've got these messes to clean up in our business because of what happened to us collectively a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I think there's a difference too. Like for those of us that got in in 2013, 2014 into this space and like leading up to the pandemic, I remember like there wasn't this kind of urgency. People made a decision much more slowly. They had other revenue, other income. They maybe had day jobs. And this was something that was like a long-term play. And then all of a sudden, right now we have a market that's essentially filled at this point with people who have a very different association with online business, which it's like, okay, I need this right now. This is how I support myself. It's like, it is a really great way to support yourself, but you've got to give yourself some time to build up that. And like for us, it was years and years of time. I also want to say, just before I forget, if we had taken the money out of our company to pay ourselves, like we were making good money revenue-wise many years ago, pre-COVID, many, many years, from years where we were siphoning off only a little bit of that money to pay ourselves because we were reinvesting it in our business. And that's what enabled us to actually have the kinds of businesses, the two companies that we have now. And if we had been sort of like greedily taking the money (laughs) out of the companies, like I kind of see it as like just extraction, like we wouldn't have anything right now. We would have like a mess, just like a lot of other people have. And so there's this like beautiful gift. It's like giving to your future self. It's like investing in your retirement accounts or something. It's like, that's what your business I think should be for you is like, this is your long-term play. If you can have the patience to make the long-term play, there's nothing like this in the world, right? Like you've created something that's going to like nurture you and take care of you for years and years and years, but not if you drain the crap out of it. Yeah. Or there's just no, like very little revenue coming in month after month after month, right? Yeah. And I think like it's a very different feeling when like the type of leader or CEO of your company that you are, the decisions that you make when you're like thinking about the next three months, six months, one year, two years, three years, it's totally different than, oh my God, I have to pay. I need money right now. Like it's completely different. And you're operating from a place of scarcity, from a place of fear, from a place of panic. And that's all going to come back to you, right? So I think this idea of having a runway or buffer so that you can just get clear and make some mistakes so you can f- try something and fail and not lose everything that is crucial as a business owner to have some wiggle room to lose money for 3 6 9 months until you can figure it out cuz you've got to figure out what sells you've got to figure out how do you describe how do you sell it how do you communicate it how do you build the audience as you said earlier how do you like what is your price you have to try all these things to figure it out and you're going to lose money. And so if you need to be profitable from day one, it's going to be a very short ride. Yeah. And I just like, 
I want to give some concrete examples for how you and I dealt with this early on or even not that long ago. I mean, first of all, both of us were coaching in other people's programs. We had paid coaching roles at various times in other programs when we were first starting. So we never, you and I both never relied on our businesses to support us fully. You continued with your previous career even though you had sold your business, right? Like you were still like doing some additional work for a while. solo. Yeah, yeah. I went solo. solo for a little bit. Yeah. Yep. And then there's a period of time. And I was like also getting consulting work because, you know, we were building businesses and you learned some skills. I was doing like UX consulting. I had different like contract jobs over the years. And then also at one point I went back to being a lawyer. And so there was a time there where personally like, finances were a little uncertain for my family. It ended up not being a big deal in that way, but I had accepted a job and I went back to work for a couple of years and worked as an attorney part-time. I mean, we were well over a million dollars in revenue when I was still working another job. And I just, I think that it's helpful to say that kind of stuff because people assume like, oh, if my business isn't supporting me eight months in, it's a failure and like I'm going to shut it down. And it's years and years and years. Like if you really want this, you will do what it takes to make it happen for yourself. And that may mean taking a side job, getting a full-time job, getting a part-time job, getting consulting work, doing one-on-one coaching or consulting. Like those are all very respectable ways to pay your bills while you are making the long-term investments in your business. Yeah. You're all fired up about your business until you have to go and market it, talk about it, promote it. All of that feels so heavy, hard, and overwhelming. We know that your business will flourish when you become comfortable promoting your work. And for that reason, we created Visible, a program that helps women amplify their voice in a world that tries to keep them quiet. Build an audience around your body of work and not just your body. So forget everything you've been taught about marketing. Visible is your fastest route to building an audience of raving fans that can turn into paying clients. Inside bonus, you can ignore trend alerts on Instagram. Join Visible today at joinvisible.co. It's so tempting to think, I think like the mistake people tell themselves is that, oh, if I work on it full time, I will make more money. I'll be focused. I'll do all this work. I'll do this more. You know, the more time I throw at it, the more money I will make. And I get it. When I was just doing custom orthotics as a sole practitioner, that was my money coming in. I also had a second company, Connectable. So I had revenue from that company too. And I wanted so desperately to work full-time with you on, at the time, Nomstream, because it was just so much more fun and it was new and exciting. And I remember just being like really uncertain that I could support myself with what little we were paying ourselves in Nomstream back in those days. And so I hung on and I hung on and I hung on, even though I desperately wanted to do the new thing, right? I wanted out of the practitioner world, but I didn't because I needed the money. So I just, I totally get that people want to run there because it's exciting and new. It's still a time, like you need to put time in it to develop the business into a place where it can support you. So you have to take care of your needs and your expenses. And what does that look like? Staying at your job longer, going back and getting a good old fashioned job. Do you have other revenue you can invest as a shareholder's loan into your company so that that's your runway? That's your buffer. Like there's quite a few options. 
Yeah, you know, this like reminds me, I'm endlessly fascinated with the FIRE movement. Oh, yeah. Um, financial independence, retire early. And there's all these like different kinds of FIRE, like fat FIRE and lean FIRE and if, whatever. If you know about personal finance, most of you will know what I'm talking about. But there is also something called like barista FIRE, which means like you can save up a certain amount of money in your retirement. Maybe you don't want to wait until you're in the US like 65 years old to retire and you know, you want to go like have more freedom and like write a book or like travel more or whatever. There's a whole group of people now that like go get a job at Starbucks or a coffee shop, you know, part-time they get health insurance in the US through that. They have a little bit of salary to cover their bills, but they also have this like nest egg, you know, so they're not going to try to like max out their retirement accounts and wait till they're older to retire. They're like, I'm going to make a life choice to retire with less in my retirement account, but I'm still going to like kind of work. I'm not going to work my high intensity, stressful job. I'm going to go get a job at a coffee shop. And I think that's also something that can work in business. Like you can go get a low stress job to cover your costs. Like you don't need to stay. If you have a career that's really stressful or demanding, you don't have to do that. Like you can go get financial resources elsewhere that supports your business and your lifestyle. I think there's like shame in going to get a job. Yeah, I get that. Like I kind of felt that when I went back to law. And when was that, Sandy? That was like 2018 or something. I think 2018 is when I when I got a job again. And I felt that way for like a day. Like you failed. Like you should be for able like a to day. And then I was like, oh, I'm like an important lawyer again. Like I think you just – you get to decide. Like that's the beauty of coaching and mindset work, right? Is like you get to decide what that means. And then I was like, okay, now I'm a person that runs a tech company and – and I'm a lawyer and a mom and, you know, whatever else. And I just, you handle it and you make it work. And I stayed at that job way longer than I needed to for the finances because there was work I was committed to doing and cared about, right? So there's other, there's also that. There's like, it's possible that you can have a job that you care about and that can also be fulfilling. And so I think that there's just, I just want to talk about business as like thinking about your business as like this other entity that's not you. Because I think not enough people do that. And I, I think now with our software company, Sandy, I think because there's so many people that have like a little piece of it and have an interest in it and we have still a pretty decent sized team, like it's not mine. It's not yours. It's not ours anymore. Like it's bigger than us. And I think even if it's just you alone in your business, if you can start to think about your business as something bigger than you or outside of you, it's really helpful because you'll start to make decisions that nurture and sustain the business, and you'll be able to see that they're not the same thing as you. And that business, like ideally, you you have that like mental separation because it's healthy <laughs> to have it. But also, like this is something that maybe you're going to sell one day. This is something that like will provide tons of opportunities for you and your family. Like start to think about it as not just, you know, this is how I make my money. Because like if you're thinking about it that way, it's just a really limiting way to think about a business. Yeah. A lot of people even have their finances all mixed up, right? Like their business revenue comes into their personal account. And I think that's the first step is to really separate those into different bank accounts to have that legal entity. And as you said, think about it as a thing that you are growing and leading, but it's not about you. It's not. And a lot of people I've seen, not so much recently, but in the past couple of years, like people will be like, oh, I have to pay myself, <laughs> you know, like they're just, they just bring in the revenue and it go, just goes all out to expenses and they're not taking any kind of salary. And it's just, 
it's so hard and so discouraging to live like that. So we want you to not worry about money, like protect yourself so that you can pay your bills and come at your business with creativity and excitement and joy and abundance and like see what you can do. But if you'd like need money now, it's really impossible. And I think like the mindset, Sandy, for those people is like, they're not really entrepreneurs and maybe that's offending someone. And I'm sorry if I'm offending you and you're listening, but if you're just like starting a business because you don't want to work for someone else and you just want money some other way, like you need to have a reason to have a business. Like it's a tremendous responsibility to be a business owner. Like you have different rules than other people. Like you have, you need to be interested enough in what that means to research that, to get coaching on it or to Google it, to figure out what's involved with being a business and taking that seriously. Because it it is, it's not for everybody. And I don't think it's like necessarily the greatest thing to do if, especially the kind of business we're talking about, an online business, a scalable online business, it's not really right for you if you're just looking for an excuse not to have a boss. Like maybe it's okay to be a consultant or something, do one-on-one services. Like maybe that's different. But to build the kind of business that we teach that's like really truly scalable and life-changing, you've got to want to do it. Which means failing and losing money for a little bit. A lot of failing. Yeah. All the failing. Yeah. And my current business coach is DL, and we're trying to get her on the podcast, um, just trying to set up some dates. And we will talk about this with her. She had a, a very good job at a university. And she was coaching on the side and she didn't leave her job until her business was at a million. That was her side hustle. And once she hit that million mark, then she left her job. And it's an incredible story. And that's why I want to get her on the podcast. But it's just like, even at 50,000 or 100,000, she left the money in the business. She took her salary from her uh, corporate job and she reinvested it and she grew it till she was certain that she had something. And it's just like a massive number. Yeah. So I just share that story just for perspective that there are people who will stay at their job, even though they're making tons of money by most of our standards. Yeah. I think like a lot of the, again, going back to personal finance, like a lot of the personal finance business owners do that. Like there's so many of those stories of people staying in legal job, like lawyer jobs or doctor jobs or you know, whatever, very successful careers and growing a business on the side. I mean, I think that that is is like if you have a job where you can do that and you like your job and you have those kinds of skills, that's kind of the best of both worlds, right? Because you have all of the security and the like sort of, I don't know, the habits and the like safety net of a job. But then you also get to like fully just lean into the pleasure and the experimentation Business. And then when that moment comes to leap fully into the business, you'll know when it is. Like I knew when I needed to come back full time to our company. And it was like a pretty seamless transition. Okay. Well, I think it's important for everyone to kind of look at that where they are at and do they need to make some new decisions about getting a job or, you know, just thinking about it even differently and like zooming out. So many people just don't, they're just like month by month by month. But if we zoom out and give your business a chance to breathe and to grow, what do you have to do to, to allow that? Yeah. I think that's such good advice, Sandy. I wouldn't wish that stress, that like month month stress on anyone. I mean, we've felt it too at moments with on the software side, right? With just all the quick changes. It's absolutely 
we will never let that get even close to worrying about expenses again, ever, ever, ever. Yeah. When you are in a situation where you have to bring in like multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars a month just to keep the lights on, <laughs> the stress of that will never, we will always have buffer and margin and runway forevermore because we'll it's do more work and work with less people than feel that again. Yeah. Never again. And I mean, I, I think maybe you have to feel it. I think a lot of people, why we're doing this episode, a lot of people feel that in their own way early on, right? Because they leap into business with that pressure initially on. And so that's what we want to help you avoid. And I just, I also, I worry that we maybe sounded a little negative about business in this. And I just, I want to just reiterate how big of fans both of us are of entrepreneurship and how it actually is the best and most wonderful way to live if you feel called to it. It just requires a different way of thinking and, you know, different kinds of compromises. But if you're called to do it, I just, I want to just like end this episode by saying you should because there's nothing like it in the world and it's the most incredible roller coaster. So it's totally worth it. It's totally worth having a job and, you know, and doing a second job on the side as you're growing it. It's, the ride of a lifetime. So absolutely. Okay. Can we do a joint hustle? Can we do a joint hustle? I'm super excited. Let's do it. They're kind of the same thing this week. Okay. Then let's do, let's do hustle first then. Hustle first. Okay. So this week is all about Seth Godin and the hustle is his new book, which is called the song of significance. And the reason that it's also a joy is because there's a bee on the cover. (laughs) (laughs) There we go, Sandy. So, okay, I don't know what his new book is about, but it does have a B on it. And I got an email from Seth. He didn't send it to me personally. It's just, you know, I'm on his list. And he has these beautiful, like, letterpress posters, and there's bees on all of them. And I was like, what is going on? And I almost ordered one because it's like a little quote about how organized the bees are when they arrive at the hive and nobody's like crashing in. It looks like chaos, but it's actually not. And I think he's probably comparing a hive to a business, which was actually a book that I would like to write. I had thought about that. Seth beat me to it. He's got this store called Seth's.store and it has all his books there and it has all these letterpress posters that he, like someone is like hand doing. He also has a bee mug. And then we went down a rabbit hole just before we recorded this because the mugs have the word significance from his book title and then a B on it. They're beautiful. And the people that are writing or making these, it's called Bread and Badger, are making these mugs for Seth. Vancouver, Washington, Washington State represent. (laughs) (laughs) And we just spent like 30 minutes like picking out mugs that we would like to buy. Jenny found a serpent one. Anyway, it's just really cool stuff. And I actually didn't know that Seth had a store. He's a man of many talents. Yeah. And he just gets everyone else to make it or print it or whatever. And then it's just on demand or all pre-ordered stuff. It's very smart. Yeah. It's very cool. These mugs are a little pricey, but they seem well worth it. And they're handmade by somebody in Washington. So we will be ordering mugs after we conclude the recording of this episode. I will look forward to podcasting as I drink out of my mug. I don't know that I'm going to get the bee one, but I think I'm oh, going to get the one. serpent one. I'm obsessed with the serpent. I love it. It's my like, it's my little sign symbol. Okay. So yeah, I'm going to get the bee one. One of them. There's, they're just some fantastic. And we're both going to order Seth's new book. We don't even know. I just it. already clicked before we started. I clicked to the audiobook. It's waiting for me in my audible. 
Yeah, and it's just whatever he puts out is just magical and you know, just go all, listen. Go read it, go listen, ask. whatever you need to do. Yeah, no questions, just go yeah. go listen to Seth. Yeah. With your sipping tea from your bee mug or your serpent mug. Yeah, and maybe by this time next year you'll be selling raw honey. We'll have oh, an sure affiliate will. link. We'll yeah. be selling our honey on the podcast website. Yeah, but I'm not shipping it. I'm not shipping it. You have to come to Alberta. She'll be yeah. wearing the bee suit when you pick up your honey. <laughs> Which, by the way, can I just tell you a funny story? I'm picking up my bees tomorrow morning and I'm you know, getting the emails from the lady that I'm buying them from. And she said that in her email, she said, so they're in boxes. They're like in little wooden boxes with ventilation and a, and a, a little thing to turn to get let them out when you get to the hives. And she's like, they may leak. So you have to have, I'm like, leak? Is this a bottle of liquid? Like, why are you saying the bees are going to leak? But bring duct tape in case you need to like tape up wherever they're escaping from. I'm like, okay. So your your car may be filled with bees as you're driving. So then she said, if you have a truck, they they will need fresh air. So if you're in a truck, that's fine. But if you're in a car, make sure you roll down the windows. And because the bees leak, you may want to wear your bee suit or or your veil. (laughs) (laughs) I think I need to do that. Just you need for to have this. somebody filming you driving yes. down the road and, and your the reaction of the other down. drivers, like, and you just be like waving, like, "What? Hi!" You know, you like as if nothing was odd. Oh my god, I think it's totally dangerous because you, your visibility is restricted. But I just think that is hilarious. That even the concept of like driving with your bee suit because you've got box boxes of bees in the back and they might leak. You know, you really need to get a GoPro and install it in the inside of your vehicle. For everyone to enjoy this whole experience. Like this is I'm not I'm gonna get it. Like go buy a GoPro and just get a dash, little dash mount and have it internally facing. (laughs) I have duct tape. I'm gonna just check if the bee boxes are leaking. I'm gonna seal it up so we don't have bees flying in the car and I'm not gonna wear a veil as I drive out to the farm. You don't really need to wear a veil. This is one of those moments in your life. You just need to lean into it. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll fake it and do a few photos and pretend. But anyway, that's my B story. Okay. Love it. Thanks, Jenny. All right. We'll (laughs) see you next time. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Marvelous. Marvelous helps you build and grow your own courses, memberships, and live streamed programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. If you're looking for a simple, beautiful, custom branded platform to build and grow your online business, you can learn more at heymarvelous.com.